Welcome to the Become New Podcast with John Orberg. We are currently in a series called Habit, where we're looking at the daily practices that shape the people we become. If you like this podcast, you can share it with a friend or give us a review wherever you're listening, and that will help us spread the word. Check out more resources at becomenew.me. Now here's John. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's one of the habits that we're cultivating right now because we're learning that life change is really about habit change. And the fact is we're a mess of habits. And all of us here in the Fellowship of the Withered Hand are a mess of bad habits. We did a survey, over a thousand of you sent habits in and there were some really bad habits. A lot of people wrestle with mindlessness, just paying attention. We actually do some quite sophisticated interventions to test for this and try to bring about change. For example, uh, this past Monday, we our nation celebrated the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. And just to test for paying attention, I threw in a deliberate misquote. At one point, I said that Dr. King said that we must return love with hate. Now, of course, Dr. King never said anything like that. He said just the opposite. Where we find hatred, we need to bring love into it. I was just trying to see, were you paying attention? And some of you were. And you let us know that you caught that. So, way to go. Some of you just went right over your head. So, try to keep up. Meanwhile, I'm working on my habit of deceit as a good three on the Enneagram. Never wanting to admit that I'm wrong. Always try to look like I'm in control. We all, part of what we're going through right now is have lots of bad habits. What do we do about those? And here's here's the surprising word for today. Do not try to break a bad habit. A lot of us do that kind of thing and say, uh, I got this problem, swearing, my temper, smoking, something physical. I got a bad habit, uh, negative self-talk. And so I'm going to try really hard not to do that anymore. No, no, no. There is a better way. That's what we're looking at today. Now, habits are a gift. God created habits. They are extenders of our kingdom, and they basically offload our behavior. Charles Duhigg writes about this, that in the 90s, scientists, particularly at MIT, really started studying habits quite closely. They follow what Duhigg calls a habit loop. This is true pretty much for all behaviors. There will be a cue, and then there's the response, my behavior, my um, activity, and then there'll be a reward attached to it. And you find this all the time when there's habit formation. And uh, researchers found when they would put a mice, a, a mouse in a maze, and there's a little chocolate or something at the end of it, uh, initially, it would take the mouse a lot of work and a long time, and the mouse's brain would be extremely active trying to solve this problem. And then eventually, the mouse would learn to do it much quicker more efficiently, more effectively. And what was especially interesting to the researchers is the mouse's brain activity would go way down. There's actually part of the brain, the basal ganglia, and habits basically get offloaded or outsourced there. So much less activity of the brain is required when a habit is formed. Part of what happens when behavior becomes habitual for you is uh, it doesn't. You, your brain doesn't really have to be involved in decision-making. Uh, and that is generally a very good thing. What's interesting, Duhigg writes, is that um, uh, uh, 
the researchers found when we trained rats to run down a maze till it was a habit, we could then extinguish the habit by not giving the rat a reward anymore. And then eventually, one day later, we put the reward in the old place, put in the rat, and by golly, the old habit will reemerge right away. Habits never really disappear. They're encoded into the structures of our brain. Now, that's a huge advantage for us because it would be awful if we had to relearn how to drive after every vacation. The problem is that your brain can't tell the difference between bad and good habits. So if you have a bad one, it's lurking there, waiting for the right cues and rewards. And this is why, for example, if you have ever been in a shopping mall and they have a Cinnabon there, Cinnabon's, I think, one of the great proofs for the existence of God in the known world. But given what calories can do to us and the way they clog up arteries, also probably proof of the evil one. What happened, the interesting thing about Cinnabon, if you go into a mall, Cinnabon works hard not to be located with the other vendors in a food court. They want to be at a different part of the mall. Why? Well, for a very good reason. Because you're walking down the mall and all of a sudden wafting towards you is that aroma of a fresh Cinnabon. Oh my gosh, is that, and that immediately triggers cravings, always with the cue there will be cravings, and the response that thereafter is for you to walk over to Cinnamon and buy one and eat it, and then there will be this reward. Although later on, it might not be so rewarding. Um, now, this is one of the reasons, for example, why relapses are such a problem. Old habits never die. They are encoded in our brain, and they don't go away. So what should we do with this? Well, we come now to Dallas Willard, page 343, The Divine Conspiracy. Dallas says, Now the patterns of wrongdoing that govern human life outside the kingdom are usually quite weak, even ridiculous. They are simply our habits, our largely automatic responses of thought, feeling, and action. Typically, we have acted wrongly before reflecting, and it is this that give bad habits their power. For the most part, they are, as Paul knew, actual characteristics of our bodies and social context. They do not, by and large, bother to run through our conscious mind or deliberative will and often run exactly contrary to them. It is rare that we do wrong as a result of careful deliberation. As a result, our routine behavior managed to keep the deliberative will and conscious mind off balance. Therefore, it is primarily in the body and its social context that the work must be done to replace wrong habits with automatic responses that flow with the kingdom of Jesus and sustain themselves from its power. Certainly there must first come the profound inward turnings of repentance and faith. But the replacement of habits remains absolutely essential to anyone who is to hear and do what Jesus said and thus build their house on the rock. In other words, when it comes to habit, we cannot extinguish a habit. It doesn't help to resist the habit. We must replace the habit. When it comes to habit, it's not about resisting. It is about replacing. And the way that that works, most simply, is if you think about this habit circuit, um, 
there will be a cue. That cue is going to be there. The craving is going to be there. There'll be that old reward or that response. The cue stays the same. The reward stays the same. How do I change my response? Um, Duhigg says that the golden rule of habit formation is this. Don't try to extinguish an old habit. Try to replace it. So I'll give you just a quite superficial one, but you can think about that, whatever uh, you'd want it to be. From when I was, I don't know, early on, probably high school years, I used to pick at my fingers and fingernails all the time. They would look kind of embarrassing. And if anybody looked at them, the nails and then the skin around them would just look bad. I would try periodically over the years because this kept going on 20s, 30s, 40s, early 50s. Felt kind of stupid, but I couldn't stop it. And then I read this stuff by Duhigg, and there's a real simple process. For two weeks, he said, um, uh, focus on what's called awareness training. That is, with this habit, look during the day for times when you feel like you want to do that. You are prompted to engage in this bad habit for me picking up my nails. Don't try to change any yet. Just look at when am I prompted to want to do that and what causes that prompt? And for me, it would be either boredom or stress. And then the next question is, and then when you engage in that habit or that behavior, what's the reward you get? And for me, it would be just a little bit of relief, a sensation of physical comfort. And so then the question became, what is an alternative behavior that I could engage in that would bring me that reward, but doesn't have that uh, negative quality of picking at my nails? And I thought, well, um, just touching something soft can produce kind of physical comfort, that physical sensation. My clothes are quite soft. So I could just, um, when, when I feel that sense of boredom, that trigger or that stress, I could just uh, rub my fingers uh, against my shirt or at my knees or something like that. And uh, it was amazing in a very little time, a habit that had been there for decades, all of a sudden was gone. And then I could invite God into that and not simply just do that habit mechanically. But as I'm doing that, say words like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm aware of fear or anxiety. I will fear no evil for you are with me and allow that um, physical sensation to be a reminder of the fact that I'm never alone and that God is with me. And that God wants to be my comfort and my shield. Now, I will tell you also that when we hit a time of great pain and trauma a few years ago, I suffered something of a relapse. And right now, I'm at about 90% of where I want to be. I'll still every once in a while with a nail, just look for something that's a little bit bumpy on there. Um, but... Uh, it's, made a, it's made a big difference in that particular area. Lots of other areas that this can be applied to. So think about some bad habit that you have. Don't try to stop it. Don't try to break it. Don't try to resist it. Replace it. And you might just carry an index card with you for a couple of weeks and notice during the day, when am I tempted to engage in this? What's the reward that it brings? What's an alternative response that I can give that can bring a different reward? And then how do I invite God into this so that I can become a person who loves God and loves people 
at the level of my habits because love is habit forming. Hi, I'm Tim. Thanks for joining us here at Become New for Habits. Now, at the end of this series, we're going to sit down with John and bring him some of your questions and talk a little bit more about the topic. But we want to hear from you. We want to bring him your questions. We've heard from a couple of you, but I know there's more questions out there. So if you've got a question, you can put it in the comment box if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, or you can email it to us at becomenew.me at gmail.com, or you can text it to us at 855-888-0444. If you want to spread the word, you can subscribe on YouTube, share this video with a friend, or give us a review on a podcast wherever you're listening. See you next time.